A reading from the second book of Acts. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm your lead pastor here at Zao MKE Church. I'm so glad to be with you all, uh, myself virtually, some of you virtually, and some of you in person. Uh, it's an incredible blessing of our tech team, um, and honestly, the resourcing that you have all poured into this community that gives us the ability for me to be with you even when I am out of town. So thank you for being with me in this way, and I look forward to seeing some of you in person again next Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about one of my favorite passages, Luke 12, uh, which is tattooed onto my arm um, in the image of a raven and the wildflowers, the way that God's provision is spread throughout the earth, God's economy of abundance that provides more than enough for all who have need. But the ways that that gets distorted by empire, by greed and hoarding, by the systems of scarcity that teach us to compete with one another to get our needs met, rather than provide for one another with generosity. And so this kingdom teaching, this radical teaching, is that we are called to give with abundance and to therefore receive with abundance and to trust that there is enough for all of us if we only take what we need and share everything we have. Now that is a wild and difficult thing to even imagine, much less take practical steps to do in our day in, day out lives. And that's why today we are gonna see an attempt of the early church in another one of my favorite passages from Acts 2. Now I love this scripture so much, so much so that it was really, it became kind of a shorthand among my college campus ministry friends that we wanted to be an Acts 2.42 community. Now, at that time, I wasn't in a community that had the kind of scriptural analysis, the kingdom analysis, to really talk about the radical economics of Acts 2, where we see that people are selling their possessions and giving to all as any had need. It says that all the believers were united and shared everything. But that shared everything of this CEB translation, it sort of obscures what comes next. Shared everything is not just sort of like metaphorical or like gushing all our feelings all the time. It means literally shared everything in this incredibly wild communalist, proto-socialist world. This idea of living the kingdom here and now to that community immediately after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus meant that all their material belongings were in service of one another, that they got their needs met by the collective rather than trying to meet their own individual needs and then making up for gaps. 
says they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. And there is some elaborate storytelling that goes on here about the struggle of early believers sometimes only being sort of half in and how that wasn't what they were going for, that that wasn't a proper fulfillment, that, that selling all of your things and keeping some for yourself but giving away generously wasn't actually it. It wasn't enough, so to speak, because they were striving not just for generosity, but for an entirely different economy of abundance that says my whole well-being rests on the trust that my generosity will be met with your generosity and that when we do that, there's more than enough for all. Now, this gets to the practical embodiment of all that we were talking about last week, and it is terrifying to really think about. It's beautiful to think about them doing it, (laughs) but it's terrifying to think about what it means for us to do that, what would be required for our community, for me as an individual, for my family, for my friends, to all start to chip in together and rely on each other completely in this way, including financially. So how did this early Acts community, this Jesus community striving to embody the kingdom here on earth, how, when they met that panic in their chest, how can I rely on this? Will my needs be met? This goes against everything empire has taught me. How did they move beyond that to create this economy of abundance? How did they embody that kingdom right here, right now, even as they fought those bigger systems of domination and empire, even as they knew that the kingdom of God was yet to arrive, how did they trust in the teachings that the kingdom was already in them? How did they build kingdom moments, kingdom community in the midst of overwhelming empire? Well, the scripture isn't coy about that either. It tells us, it tells us that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. Now, that might not seem like a particularly radical thing to do, like, oh, yeah, like, they hung out, they ate meals, you know. I can, like, brunch and pray. That's, like, not a big deal, right? And in some ways, you can do all of these things, study, study the scriptures, share a meal, pray for somebody, without radically embodying the kingdom, without radically shifting the way that you view abundance and provision without taking those enormous personal and communal risks. But when we want to take those risks, when we want to say, hey, I want to live more like the kingdom, I want to take a leap into the unknown, I want to give more generously than I thought I could, and I want to receive my needs met so boldly, more boldly than I thought I could, when we do that, how comes to mind? How do we do that? What are the steps? And while we might want to overcomplicate them, they're actually quite simple. And this scripture teaches us just that. The way to prepare a person, a community, a people to take those kinds of risks is to dedicate themselves to the kingdom teachings, to dedicate themselves to community and to shared meals, and to pray for one another. So we're going to go through those three pieces, the teachings, the community and meals, and the prayers, And talk about how those are our practical steps to becoming an Acts 2.42 community. Seeing a boldness in our generosity and our practice of solidarity that we didn't think was possible. 
Let's start with that first word that precedes each of these three, devoted. Now, this isn't just a practice, right? This, is, this has religious connotations. This has loving connotations, right? When you devote yourself to something, it means that you do it wholeheartedly. This is not something that is merely an afterthought or just sort of vaguely threaded through their lives. This is devotion. And so when we want to come to the table, when we want to be with one another, when we want to take these risks together, we have to do so with whole hearts. We have to come in devoted to embodying the kingdom. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect all the time. That doesn't mean we can't have off days. But it does have an intention behind it that makes it more radical than something that is just happenstance. So these disciples, they, these followers, these believers, they devoted themselves. Now first let's talk about how they devoted themselves to community and to their shared meals. Now, again, this might seem like something pretty mundane. Everybody's got to eat, right? But when we see Jesus' behavior in the scriptures, we see a lot of the scriptures detailing how many meals Jesus shared with his beloved. And I think that that's really important because obviously Jesus had a body he had to eat, but the frequency with which we see these meals included in scripture highlights their significance. And it's a way that Jesus comes to bring together these incredible things, the material provision for all who have need, and the grounding of all teachings about the kingdom in relationship. This is a practical experience of everyone coming together hungry and leaving fed. And it's something that anyone can relate to. Anyone can relate to that feeling of satisfaction. But Jesus calls us to share those meals together and to do so telling the story of God's liberating love, listening to one another's needs and thoughts, contemplating the scriptures, contemplating our lives. It's about coming together and being revealed to one another caring about what's going on in each other's lives. It's about saying, hey, all the work that we do for the kingdom, it doesn't matter if it's not grounded in loving relationship. That's the foundation of this, of this life, of this call to changing the world, is so that we can share a meal and love one another well. And we're not going to be able to do that, to change the world, until we can consistently be sharing meals and in community together. Now, before I was a pastor, I was a community organizer. And one of the things that felt really important but very difficult to communicate to churches, I was often working with churches, was the importance of relationship in organizing. I would go to these churches and meet people who were so passionate about issues, so passionate about facts. If only people knew. That was the energy. If only people knew, then everything would be different. But the reality is that systems like ours, worlds like ours, empires like ours, do not change through the dissemination of facts. Knowing that something should change does not give us the power alone to do it. And so I would talk to these churches all the time. Well, okay, so you're really passionate about X, Y, or Z issue. Who's with you? Who are your people? And they'd be like, well, I'll give them all the information and surely they'll all come lining up to risk their lives and take their time and energy and money and throw it behind this cause. And routinely that did not happen. And so I would say, hey, who are your people? Who cares about you? Who cares about people impacted by this issue? 
What are the relationship networks that you can call upon? Because I had learned <laughs> that solidarity is built through relationship. It's not built through facts or information. It's, it is fueled by that anger, by that frustration that something is wrong with the world, but I can only really be so moved in relationship to people I actually care about, people who are in my life. There's a saying on the left that solidarity is built in the struggle, that we don't all come with a perfect understanding of one another, that we come with our prejudices and our backgrounds and our particularities, but when we work together to change the world, we get to know one another as we struggle for freedom, and that opens up our minds, our possibilities to new perspectives on liberation because we are introduced to all kinds of different people who we come to care about, who we come to love, who we are willing to fight for. Relational organizing, Jesus' organizing, is built on the principle that we will only lay our lives down for those we know and love. And therefore, we are called to know and love one another. We are called to give up, to sacrifice for one another based on the relationships that we build. In that context of relationship, the believers also dedicated themselves to prayer. Now, this is one that I think is a little counterintuitive. We think of prayer as something so holy, so pious. It's good people that pray, or it's really spiritual people that pray, or like a lot of people in this community have shared with me that prayer just feels like it's not for them. And prayer is complicated, layered. We can talk about it more in depth in other spaces. But I just want you to know that outside of anything that God does with prayer and outside of anything that you do in like a personal, individual prayer practice, collective and communal prayer shared among a community is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful just in its human elements alone. Because going to a community and saying, hey, here's what I need prayer for, or asking your community or your community members, how can I pray for you, invites a radical conversation about needs and wants and desires and the longings of our heart. Saying, how can I pray for you, is saying, I want to know what your heart longs for. I want to know what you need. I want to know what's happening in your life that you're holding with tenderness, and I want to hold it with you. It's wild. And then on the flip side of that, being asked, how can I pray for you, and having to respond, or even unprompted offering, hey, can you pray for me, is a radical, radical act of naming, owning, and sharing one's needs saying, this is what's going on in my life, in my heart. These are my struggles, my desires, my hopes. These are my victories, the things that I'm celebrating. Can you be in that with me without shame? And in a culture that so shames us for having needs and desires, in a culture that says that we should either, you know, meet them through violence or domination or else keep them hidden and pretend we don't have any, Coming together as a community premised on the idea that we all have needs and desires, that we all have longings, that the things in our lives need attending to, and then creating space to talk about it, to not be alone in it, to share with one another, 
That is wild and radical. And it helps orient us to the needs of our community. It helps open up space to acknowledge our own needs and to participate in that collectively. So this devotion to the prayers is a devotion to attending to the needs, the expressed needs and to expressing needs in the community. And finally, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the teachings of the kingdom, to the teachings of the ravens and the wildflowers of solidarity. Coming together on a routine basis to review these ideas of kingdom, of solidarity, of risk-taking, of hope, these are commitments to come together and self-reflect, to reflect as a community. It's a space for self-examination, for accountability, to keep our, our hearts collectively aligned toward liberation. It's saying, oh, I may have heard this before, but I want to hear it again and again and again from different angles and different perspectives. I want to keep coming back to these teachings of Jesus. I want to keep coming back to that idea of the kingdom. I want to keep coming back to this promise of liberation. I'm going to commit myself to it. And even if I feel like I've heard it before, I'm going to hear it anew over and over again. I'm devoting myself to this teaching so that I can align my life with it. And the beauty of these teachings is that they are not just here for a moment. They are passed down generationally. The communion of saints, as the scripture calls them, is in this work with us. And so we can see we are not the only people struggling to figure out how to embody the teachings of Luke 12, the teachings of solidarity. We are a part of a lineage, and we can look to our spiritual ancestors, the early church of Acts 2, and see how they did it. And we can practice. We can encourage one another, spur one another on in love, as it says in Hebrews. We are a community committed to these teachings, but we don't have to do that alone. And our faithfulness will be met with faithfulness in other places of the world and other generations to come. We are a part of a lineage on the way to the fullness of the kingdom. And dedicating ourselves to the teachings can remind us that what we do is monumentally important, that aligning ourselves with the kingdom is monumentally important, and that we are one part of an infinite story of creation coming together to form this kingless kingdom of liberation, solidarity, and abundance. So practically speaking for us here and now, how do we do this? What is our version of an Acts 2.42 community? How can we, under late-stage capitalism, push back against that economy of scarcity and create a local economy of abundance? Some of it we are doing communally through our ministries. The depot is an, an embodiment of an economy of abundance. The trans clothing boutique is, is an output of an economy of abundance, and on and on. But what are the ways that we each as individuals can show up and be a part of this? Well, practically speaking, we can do the things that we've heard about. We can devote ourselves to the teachings, to prayers, and to shared meals and community. As far as devoting yourselves to the teachings, congratulations, you're doing it right now. <laughs> this is what this is for. This is what, you know, the, the teaching aspect, the sermon aspect of our worship is an invitation to re-enter into the story and teachings of Jesus as a collective, to look at them from a different angle each week, to contemplate, to let them wash over us, to let them confuse us, to stir up in us debate and conversation. And so 
you are already doing that and you can rest easy there. If you'd like to take it a step further, you can create some time to reflect on this sermon this week or to connect with another person and just talk a little bit more about what it means. We also have um, a new event monthly on Wednesdays. On the second Wednesday of the month, this month it'll be May 10th, um, talking about what's come up for us in the scriptures um, and in the teachings and the sermons over the last month. So if you'd like to devote yourself by getting into it with other people who have been hearing these sermons, if you'd like to come uh, on May 10th uh, and just hash it out, uh, mark your calendars and we'll do that. And that's a way that you can be a part of this. But being here and reflecting on this, receiving, um, you know, this moment is your devotion to the teachings. Devoting yourself to the community and to the shared meals. You can stick around for brunch. Who knew follow following Jesus could be that easy and that tasty? You can just head right on downstairs um, and go to brunch. Uh, and if you are virtual, um, know that participating in communion is one of those ways. Uh, and being alive and active in the comment section is one of those ways. But for those of you who are able to stay in person for brunch, really pay attention. You know, what is it like to be embodied with other people? What is it like to look around the room and know that your faith is calling you to, to take risks on behalf of every single person there? How can you know them deeply and well? How can you get to know and care about them so that taking those risks makes a little bit more sense to your system, to your body, to your spirit, because you're taking those risks for people you love? The greater our constellation of people with different uh, identities of privilege and oppression, the more we can hold this web of solidarity where we know who we're fighting for and why. And then finally, with the prayer, you can ask someone, how can I pray for you? You can say to someone, hey, I care about what you care about or what is going on in your life. What can I hold in prayer for you? Now, if you're nervous, if you're not somebody who prays a whole lot, um, all you need to do to take that step is to ask someone uh, to receive what they're telling you and to take a moment. You can even do it right there if you want, silently. You can do it later in your car or at bedtime, and to just think about them. Think about them and think about God at the same time. Be like, God, this person really needs this thing. The end. But being present to another person's need, holding space to hear about what someone is longing for from God and from life, from their community, that is a radical act of solidarity. Create space for it. Devote yourself to it. The flip side of that is that you can share prayer requests. You can offer your prayer request to someone else who asks, or you can ask somebody to pray for you. You can say out loud or in print something that you want prayer for. And if you want to do that through our existing community channels, you can fill out a prayer card in the seat backs right now. You can print out a prayer card, or you can go to zaomke.org slash pray. Uh, nope, that's zowmk.org slash connect, and our prayer form should be on there as well. And it will go to our prayer team, and there will be people praying for you. You can take that radical act of naming your needs and desires, offering them to a community to hold with you as an act of radical trust. And materially, if you want, you can participate in this solidarity giving campaign that we're in right now, where we're, um, we're, 
working towards getting 20 new folks to either sign up for recurring giving to Zao or up their current recurring giving to Zao as an act of solidarity to provide for those who can't pitch in at the same level. Our campaign's tagline is give all you can and take all you need. And this, this is the foundation of that Acts 42, 242 community that says we give with generosity because we trust enough in the generosity of others that we know that our needs will be met. And so you can take any practical action, the giving campaign or something else, but stretch your generosity to give in a way that feels just a little bit risky. Invest in those people that you love or are learning to love and put trust into them to meet you with that same generosity. This is hard work, but we don't have to do it alone. That's the beauty of this, is that community is built on taking risks together. Thank you for taking the risk to be here in whatever capacity you are. Thank you for being in this with me. And may we all take those risks with trust, with hope, and with the help of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, you have provided more than enough for all. The systems of our world have obscured that fact and made us fight for scraps. God, help us not only to fight in the streets for abundance for all at a systemic level, but also to prefigure your kingdom, to embody your kingdom here and now, to be the kingdom that you pointed out in us in big and small ways in our personal lives and in our communities and right here at Zao. God, give us boldness and trust. Help us devote ourselves to one another, to you, and to love. In your name we pray. Amen.